Introduction I've lived nearly all my life under the glare of the public spotlight. I became famous with New Edition when I was just 14. As a solo artist, I released an album before my 20th birthday that many have noted as altering the course of R&B music, stamping the term New Jack Swing onto the public consciousness. I was just the second teenager in history after Stevie Wonder to hit the top spot of the Billboard chart. In my 20s, I fell in love with the biggest music star on the planet. Our marriage kept more than a few gossip tabloids in business. Watching the hell couples like Jay-Z and Beyonce are put through these days, I can't even imagine what it would have been like being married to Whitney Houston in the age of Twitter and Instagram. Whitney's death was devastating not only to me, but to the entire nation. And I still am trying to grapple with the incredible pain and trauma of losing my daughter, Bobby Christina. But despite my three decades in the harsh media glare, the public has never really heard my story. What Bobby Brown is thinking, what he's doing, what he did do, what he didn't do. For the most part, what has been said about me has been speculation from people who didn't know what they were talking about. It's usually been wrong and usually intended to make me look bad. To some degree, I understand that's how public images work. They slap a label on you and that's who you are. The facts be damned. Early on, I cemented my reputation as the bad boy of R&B, and it stuck. For the most part, I embraced it. For 30 years, it was fun. When I was young and foolish, but now the label feels too one-dimensional. Too much has happened and enough time has passed. I feel like I owe it to myself and the ones I love and will always love, to be honest. I finally think it's time for me to show the world who I really am. I want to tell the real story. Part 1. Becoming Bobby Brown Chapter 1. My Musical Roots When I stretch my mind back to my earliest memories, music was always there. While other little kids in Boston dreamed about playing for the Red Sox or the Celtics, I dreamed about stepping on to a stage and thrilling the crowd with my singing and dancing. Music was constantly playing in my house, with everybody throwing their own sound into the mix. With six children and my mother and father, we're talking about a lot of sound. Whenever my dad Herbert came home from work, he would put on some blues or maybe funk. Then he would start dancing and acting crazy. We would be laughing so hard our stomachs would hurt. My late father is still the funniest man I've ever met. Not Eddie Murphy or Martin Lawrence. Not Kevin Hart. Herbert Brown. And my mother actually sang in a duo with her brother Robert whom I was named after, when they were younger, so she had performing in her blood. But I think the biggest musical influence on me was my grandmother, my mother's mom. She had an apartment on the first floor in Orchard Park Projects. We lived right above her on the second floor. 
My grandmother had a massive record collection. I knew her apartment was a place I could go and lose myself in music. It became my sanctuary, where I could get away from the noise and the craziness of my large family and go exploring in her records. My grandmother loved Duke Ellington, so that's where I would usually start. I didn't mind the big band jazz because I could jitterbug to it. I liked all types of music, though. I'd play the Shy Lights, the Manhattans, Blue Magic. This was the mid to late 70s. I was born in February 1969. So these groups were still in their heyday before disco came along. From there, I would gradually move into the funkiest stuff. My God, funk was everything to me. James Brown, Bootsy Collins, Parliament, Rick James, damn. I lose my mind. 